0: Now, of all the ways, I mean, we've been talking about all these changes because of COVID. And I think of all the ways that COVID has most negatively impacted our lives and the most tragic has been to rob us of the opportunity to say goodbye to loved ones. In a perfect world, we would never have to say goodbye, right? Goodbyes are never easy, especially under difficult circumstances, and they are never more difficult than when the farewell is likely to be the last. You know, the best case scenario for us on earth right now would be that we have the opportunity to express our love one last time to the ones we love, and COVID has robbed us of that for many of you and for many of us. Today's text, the last half half of Acts chapter 20, uh, is where we find Paul making a goodbye, a farewell speech to some church leaders that he has worked with for over three years, uh, the elders of the church in Ephesus. Now, as we read through this text, you're going to notice a couple things uh, that I want to point out. Paul is going to sound much more vulnerable, much more meditative, reflective, and he's going to sound much less combative and argumentative. He's not here to preach in this text, he's here to say goodbye to some people that he really loved. He takes advantage of this opportunity to kind of describe his his attitude and his philosophy of ministry, not only in Ephesus, but all the way through his life. But he also t- brings up some concerns, some warnings that have to be given to these leaders. Um, this is the only speech Paul gives that's directed solely to Christians. Uh, Up to this point, he's spoken to Jewish and Gentile audiences, but he's been trying to evangelize or reach them with the word. And so there has been a little bit of negative uh, or uh, argumentative kind of a bite to it. Uh, And then the other speeches he gives are legal defenses that he's defending himself in front of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, or again in front of the Roman authorities uh, that we'll read about later on in next week's uh, lesson. Uh, but but here he's speaking to church leaders, and, and that also explains a little bit of the difference in tone. Uh, the other thing you'll notice that these church leaders are referred to as elders, um, overseers or guardians, and also shepherds or pastors. Uh, these are all referring to the same group of individuals, and in each of these different terms, Uh, um, reflect a different aspect of their role in leading the congregation. The elders, uh, in Greek, it's presbyteros, uh, from which we have the word Presbyterian, uh, and that reflects their age and their maturity, their life experience. The, The shepherds or the pastors come from a Greek word, poimen, and that kind of focuses on their people orientation, their relationship ability to Uh, um, uh, lead and guide individuals. And and then the last word, overseers or guardians, is the Greek word episkopos, from which we get episcopalian, and uh, this is more focused on their job or their task. And so we have maturity, uh, 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 people-oriented, as well as um, task-oriented roles for the elders uh, as they lead the congregation. Um, the, we're going to read section by section and kind of break down his, uh, his speech. We're going to start in Acts chapter 20, uh, verse, uh, 17. We'll read through 21. But when we landed at Miletus, Luke is with them. And so these, this is one of those we texts that you find throughout the book of Acts. We landed at Miletus and Paul sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repentance from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. So Paul starts off by kind of taking a look back and saying, this is how I acted when I was with you. Uh, you know, as you think through your life and as you look back, you, you might ask yourself, what have I been living for? What, have, what am I trying to accomplish in life? And then second, how do I respond when I'm under pressure? I think those are useful questions to think through evaluating your life. And as Paul thinks back, uh, um, what did he live for? He lived for the opportunity to preach Jesus and to share the message with people who didn't know him. That's what he was called for on the road to Damascus. And that's what God had uh, tapped him on the shoulder to do. And his motives have always been seeking the best for the people with whom he was uh, working He was diligent, night and day, three years. He went from temple to rented hall to house to house. Um, He he was just very, very diligent in his work. And he recognized that he had been through some difficult times. Uh, The plots of the Jews, their actions to try and harm him. He just lived through a couple demonstrations in cities uh, um, in, in Ephesus and in others. And so the picture we get is of a selfless, earnest, faithful and blessed man. People were converted to the Lord. uh, Lives were transformed. And Paul was grateful for the work that God had done through him. Well, now he's going to make a transition to think about what's coming. The future ministries that are awaiting both he and uh, um, the people there in Ephesus, the church leaders. And so we're going to read verses 22 through 31. Now, I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work God assigned me by the Lord Jesus the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom, particularly these men, will ever see me again. I declare, I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it is not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves. Or look out for yourselves and also for God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased by his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders or overseers. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you, night and day, and many tears for you. So Paul is aware that his future includes more suffering. And that doesn't seem to deter him. It doesn't seem to bother him. Um, As we began this process with Catherine's therapy, our nurse navigator told us on the front end, she said, now... I need to let you know this is going to hurt. You're going to be in pain. I mean, they're going to do this huge incision. You're going to go through chemo. There are going to be bad days. But that's not the big picture. You have to stay focused on the big picture. Difficult days will come. And so don't make decisions based on those difficult days. Look at the big picture. And that's what Paul was bound to do. He felt honored to be able to preach for Jesus and to live his life for Jesus, and he was determined to forge ahead, even if it meant that along the way he would run into what we might consider life-threatening, he considered momentary and light afflictions. His definitions would sound a little bit different than ours, right? But then the other thing he does is he says, not only me, but you guys are going to go through some difficulties, too. You guys are going to have some challenges. And he refers to do- two groups of people. Some he refers to as vicious wolves who are going to come in from the outside. And then even some from within the own, your own congregation are going to rise up. And so the elders are in place to watch over first themselves and the flock. And then they are there to uh, um, be the guardians of the congregation and to be the shepherds, which involves tending and caring for and feeding and protecting and leading the the, the sheep, even to the point where, if necessary, that they would spend their lives and give their lives for the lives of the sheep. Now, these wolves and these individuals that are seeking to deceive and to misguide the congregation, um, it, it sounds pretty harsh. It's He's calling these individuals uh, by some pretty harsh terminology. Um, false teachers, bad attitudes, covetousness, personal animosities are going to arise. We see that this happened in church after church throughout the uh, first century, and, and we're no different. We see those same things at work in many churches uh, in our world today. And we even see, and this is probably the most sinister of his warning. Even people from our own congregations or our own churches will also try and misguide or deceive or take advantage of the flock. And so Paul is warning them to look out and be aware that this potentially could happen. Well, after he's talked about the future, he's talked first about his ministry in the past. He's talked about what's waiting for them. And then he ends out his speech thinking about uh, present realities and in what they have to look forward to in their immediate future. And that begins in verse 32 through the rest of the chapter. And now I entrust you to God in the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I've been a constant example of how you should help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad, most of all, because he had said that they would never see him again. And they escorted him down to the ship. And effectively, this was the last time this group of men were able to be with Paul. And and so he wants to let them know that in spite of the future dangers that that await them, that the message of God's grace will sustain them, will build them up, make them into buildings for God. That's the actual terminology, that they are now members of God's household and that this message of grace will also assure their inheritance. It's an inheritance that is available now and will continue on through the rest of the world. It's it's like the prize is not only heaven, but the prize is also being on a journey towards heaven. And so uh, uh, Paul is affirming and confirming that they're on the right path towards uh, where uh, God wants to lead them. He, He also ends by giving us a statement from Jesus that none of the four Gospels record um and most likely it was given to him when he was alone with the Lord during his teaching and uh, uh um preparation time. Uh it is better to give than to receive. Many times this verse is used when we having a special offering or or something along those lines, blessed to be a blessing, but the bigger picture is that uh God is working towards giving us what we need and is willing to sacrifice even himself and the life of his son to give us uh, spiritually uh, what we need so that we can be in a reconciled relation with him. Now, most of what Paul says is specifically directed to the elders of this church in Ephesus, and and it applies very uh, obviously to any group of church leaders. But, but I think in, if we look at it a little bit broader, take a step back, Uh, We'll see that it is also I want to make some points that will be useful for our marriages, our homes, our jobs, our schools and obviously here at church. And so uh, the first is to be present. One of the things that Paul emphasizes is I was with you. I was working with you alongside you day and night in your homes and everywhere. You know, with the uncertainties of life, which seem even more noticeable during covid, they've always been there. But COVID has really ratcheted them up to a whole different level. Uh, with the uncertainties of life, we need to make sure that we are giving our best, our very own lives for God, church, family. Uh, life and the time that we have on earth is too valuable to waste it or squander it, uh, uh, not being present in the lives and alongside the people that. Uh, are the most meaningful. Honor the people you are with by being fully present when you're with them. Uh, I don't know how many times you've been talking with someone. We've been talking to someone and they're looking at their phone and you're thinking, are they really listening to me? Are they really present? Uh, 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 I won't say it, but sometimes I can see, you know, all kinds of things from up here in the pulpit. And, um, and and what I assume when I see someone on their phone is I'm sure they're looking up more scriptures. I know that that's what they're doing. They're not playing words with friends or whatever that game is. They're not playing solitaire. They're looking for other scriptures. Uh, but but we can honor the people that we're with by being present, by fully being present with them. The second thing that Paul tells us, I think, today is that we need to stay awake or as we used to say, everyone needs to be alert. Because America needs more alerts. So everyone be alert. Uh, We need to think about it. it, Yeah, I know. It's an old joke. And uh, for some of you, it's brand new. And you think, yeah, it should have stayed uh, dead. Um, uh, uh, Stay awake. Stay on guard. Watch and be on the lookout. Our our spiritual lives are susceptible to all kinds of dangers. Uh, uh, False teaching, but also spiritual disease, sin, laziness, apathy, deception, distraction, divisiveness. There's so many things that can get us off course. And so he says, first of all, first and foremost, guard yourself. You can't adequately care for other people in your life if you're not taking care of yourself and you're not nurturing your own soul. Remember the instructions every time you get on a plane. In the event that you should need oxygen, masks are going to fall down from the ceiling compartments. First, before you help anyone else, what do you do? Put your own mask on first and then help the people beside you. A.W. Tozer wrote, do you know who gives me the most trouble? Do you know who I pray for the most in my pastoral work? (laughs) Me, just me. Rebecca Halstead, a retired Brigadier General with the U.S. Army, won all kinds of accolades at West Point and then in her military career, wrote a book that was gifted to me a few years back by a dearly beloved leader. Um, The book is entitled 24-7, the first person you must lead is you. And through it she brings all kinds of different leadership uh, lessons that she's learned, but we have to start caring first of all for ourselves, but then secondly, to guard and look out for the lives of those around us. Each one of us has a circle of influence. It might be at school, it might be at work, obviously at home, whether you're a parent or a child, uh, uh, extended family, each one of us needs to be looking out for the lives of those around us. And then a third thing as part of being awake and being alert is to be aware of counterfeits. Counterfeits abound in today's world. I mean, you just go online, Counterfeit masks are everywhere. Counterfeit, everything is everywhere. I I was uh, going to speak in New York City, and before I left, uh, we lived in Memphis. Jeremy came up to me and says, hey, when you go to New York, buy me a Rolex. (laughs) I looked at him. I said, yeah, right, dude, sure. Uh, No, 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 Dad, I read online. You can get them for $5. (laughs) And I said, oh, what kind of watch can you buy for $5? And so sure enough, I was at Times Square one afternoon uh, in in between sessions, and there's a table and a guy selling Rolexes for five bucks. And I looked at them, I said, wow, they look really good and they feel really heavy. So I bought a $5 Rolex. Well, it lasted for five, not five years, but it lasted for a year. And I was amazed that a Rolex that you buy for $5 lasted. Well, the counterfeits that we're talking about here are much more harmful than a fake watch. They're described as wolves. You know, wolves kind of show up in fairy tales and uh, uh, um, uh, um, different uh, uh, Aesop's fables. Uh, you remember the wolf in Little Red Riding Hood uh, um, and kind of that negative uh, perspective. As they're described in the Bible, wolves seek their own way. They play fast and loose with the truth and they don't care who they hurt in the process. Now, Let me clarify, false teaching is not a disagreement you have with someone else. Just because two people who are God-fearing, Bible-believing individuals don't come to the same conclusion does not necessarily mean one is a false teacher. Not everything in the Bible is black and white, there's a lot of gray, and Scripture seems to leave a lot of room for freedom of different kinds of opinions and opportunities for us to be tolerant and accepting of one another, even if we have different perspectives on different issues. So how do we know when a difference is a false teaching? Well, it seems that as just over again, again, looking through scripture, false teaching would emphasize controversy more than helping people. The focus is creating a controversy for the sake of controversy, to deceive and to draw people away from what is truly important. Secondly, it's often initiated by those whose motivation is to make a name for themselves. They're looking for some sort of interest that they themselves gain, whether it's notoriety, whether it's uh, a, a, a bigger church to preach for or more books to sell. They're looking for some sort of gain that they might receive. And then thirdly, and most obviously, it's contrary to the teaching of Scripture. Now, as we know... There are a lot of different opinions on things that, on the one hand, seem so simple, like the Lord's Supper, baptism, church gatherings. And we're going to have a wide variety of opinions on a lot of those. But once we look at the entirety of Scripture, just because we would believe something today that was not taught a few years back doesn't necessarily put it in the category of false teaching. So beware of wolves... But study the scriptures, be honest with the scriptures, and then work through them with a larger company of believers to see if we can find uh, uh, what might be the best uh, path for us as individuals and also for the congregation. The last point, seek the good of others. Seek the good of others. You know, in the Greco-Roman world, there was this idea that I'm going to give to you, but you have to then give back to me. I invite you to a party and you better invite me back. Not too too different from certain communities that that we might be aware of. Uh, Paul is saying we're going to break that cycle. We're going to give to people who can't give back to you. And you're going to share and be generous people with people who will never be able to give. And so we can ask ourselves, are we givers or takers in any given relationship? When I think of my church family or my physical family, am I a giver or am I a taker? Uh, uh, As a parent or as a child or as a brother or a sister, am I a giver or a taker? One of the things that Paul emphasized over and over is I was a giver and I learned it from Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive or the Greek word can also be translated to take. And I think one of the keys to genuine leadership is if the leader is truly acting for his or her own good or for the benefit of others in the congregation. Uh, Lynn Anderson wrote a book a couple of years back uh, entitled They Smell Like Sheep, and he was talking about elders and leadership in general. He tells a trip uh, that he and his wife Carolyn made to uh, Palestine. And the tour guide is in their little bus as they were going through. We're, we're telling them all the things about the, the landscape and, and, and the different things, the history and the scenery. And then they, they um, he was telling them about these wonderful stories about what shepherds did with their flock and how they were recognized by their name and how the sh- shepherd gently cares for them. And then the tour guide stopped and said, you know, I had an experience once where it, it kind of messed me up. Because I was telling this very same story and all of a sudden I realized everybody on the bus wasn't looking at me. They were looking out the window. And as we looked out the window, there was a there was a guy, a shepherd who was yelling at his sheep and who was throwing stones at them and who was kicking them. And he thought, what in the world is wrong with this guy? And, and, And so he stopped the bus and he got out and said, hey, you're making me look really bad. I'm talking about how shepherds care for the sheep and how they long for them and they, they take care of them and they have this nice relationship. And here you are mistreating the sheep. And I don't know what's wrong with you. What kind of shepherd are you? And the guy looks really confused. And he says, I, I, I don't understand. And so the tour guide repeated everything all over again. He says, oh, wait, 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 wait. You've got me confused. I'm not a shepherd. I'm a butcher. <laughs> and true to form, right? Uh, The the butcher was looking out for his own interests and how he could use these sheep to advance his own life. A shepherd, even though sometimes uh, they they will be offered and sold, uh, is looking out for truly how best to care for the sheep. So be present, be alert, stay awake and seek the good of others. I think those three admonitions, admonitions will help us as we go through our lives.